Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. Can you believe it? You're back again with me, Alexander Holland, and my number one pocket full of pod joy. We've got a bit of one call. John Maloney. We're coming to you live and direct from Melbourne, Australia and Berlin, Germany. We want to bring you episode 90 so bad. <laughs> We're going to make you, make you, make you, make you happy, 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 not sad. What do you think of that? Oh, I spent love all that. night writing that. Thank you, ChatGPT, <laughs> for writing a really good intro. Writing the entire show from here on in. <laughs> Year 1990. What mm. a great... It doesn't get enough love from people who aren't me 1990 <laughs> if you ask me what was the greatest year of culture ever i'm gonna yeah. give you that 1990 um yeah it's the year in the u.s mm-hmm. that the simpsons took off the simpsons first oh. aired in 1989 with the mm-hmm. christmas special episode simpsons roasting on an open fire mm-hmm. and then that led in from 1989 it led into 1990 which was the whole first season of the simpsons oh, wow there you go Similarly, Seinfeld. I think the pilot episode, the pilot in the first oh, episode, the first season was eighty nine, and then it really started to hit its stride in nineteen ninety. Man, nineteen ninety. Also, Ninja mm. Turtles, nineteen ninety. The Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. I mean, we've mm-hmm. mentioned before that nineteen ninety. The music from nineteen ninety is incredible. You're talking about Vanilla Ice <laughs> with Ice Ice Baby. You're talking about <laughs> MC Hammer with Can't yeah. Touch This. Talking about. <laughs> Dub Be Good To Me, Bits International, Tom's Diner, mm. Suzanne Vega, DNA Remix, Grooves In The Heart, Delight, Vogue, Madonna, I could go on and on and on and on and on. What a year. Speaking of years, mm-hmm. this is the 40th year of your existence on planet sure is. globe. And on planet globe, <laughs> you had a birthday party where everybody said, thank you so much for being on the globe for 40 years, John. And they slapped you on the back. They did. They and what said, did you say back to them all? I said, "This is the first time I've referred. I've heard it referred to as Planet Globe, but I thank you for <laughs> your well wishes." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you had a little party on Saturday. I had a just had a wonderful party. Uh, we had we had some people around starting from about kind of four in the afternoon and going all through the afternoon and evening. We had uh, some of my nearest and dearest and yeah, it was great. It was beautiful weather. Uh, and so we just, we just leaned into the long, slow evening, had uh, some speeches, shout out to Jess and Rob for making a beautiful speech. And then I gave a speech and then Dargle gave a little impromptu speech and then, uh, and then we, yeah, we had a fire pit out the back, had, had a little present table for all the generous gifts that people gave me, wow. which was lovely. So it was very nice. Uh, and there was a bit of a DPTM overlay, basically just seemed mm. to got, got, got me to, I think you might have had a bit of a consulting might role. A, might have had a sneaky consultant role on this. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. It was wonderful. She basically got me to go and have a drink with a mutual friend for about an hour while they set up. And uh, then I came back and the house was just covered in DPTM posters, like um, <laughs> kind of p- poster-sized photographs of our Instagram 
cover art basically. <laughs> so you walk into the bathroom and there was that picture of you finishing the marathon in the Canary Islands with my little kind of like smiling sun face shining down <laughs> on you. <laughs> like the Teletubby sun smiling exactly. down on me. Exactly. So everyone who went to the toilet during the party had to see that. And then Yeah. Yeah, there was lots of uh there was a there was a sign that said Forty Licious hanging over the shed, which I like. There was oh, that's great. fairy lights. There was a there was a photos of me spelling out the number forty. So uh it was classic. It was uh, very well done by Jacinta and um yeah, I had a great had a great time. You had your party shirt on. I saw a lot of embarrassing videos of you. I saw you at the start yeah. when you were looking fine and then somebody sent a few a few hours later where you passed yeah. out face down in the mud and people had yeah. drawn a lot of dicks on your face <laughs> and, written, and written idiot and 40 all over your naked, naked body. Yeah. Yeah, they just at one point I wandered out into the alleyway behind my house and... Just fell asleep in a puddle. Uh, but that's classic forty-year-old man antics. Um, yeah, you sent me. I should record. I should mention this for the uh, joy of our listeners. Uh, you sent me a a kind of um, fake cameo, which was done, <laughs> which was done by you, as if it was a cameo that I had requested or that somebody had requested. For you to do for me, <laughs> and it was genius because it had the little cameo watermark up, and then it was like you kind of squinting at the screen, kind of as if you're reading various factoids about me that the requester had sent through, <laughs> and, uh, and it was this classic, classic. Um, it was very well observed, I thought, because it was you know the way that some people when you get them to do that kind of thing, they'll just like wander around looking vaguely distracted and there's like random shit going on in the background and they they might pause to say something to someone else and then continue on with the video. It was all that kind of stuff. So that was very funny. Um, and there's a photo, there's a video that somebody took of a like a reaction video of um, yeah. me watching that. So that was great. Um, I, re <clears throat> I record, I had an appointment uh, on Friday and the appointment was near... Charlottenburg Schloss, which is a mm -hmm. Charlottenburg palace for anybody who doesn't know, which is a, a an old palace here in Berlin. It's a very big, beautiful building mm. in the west of the city. And the appointment that I had was like a 20-minute walk from that uh, palace. So after the appointment, I just walked there in the, in the, in the it was beautifully kind of snow-capped that day. And I just kind of wrote the cameo in my head as I was going, thinking <laughs> this will be funny. And yeah. then I'll, I'll and then I'll do it like a kind of arrogant sort of celebrity who's trying to hide exactly. That kind of just thanks so much, hey man. So yeah, like trying to also pretend that you and me have kind of like a personal relationship at the same yeah. time. Like it's just you can tell that it's not, buddy. You know what? Who am I to say that you can't do that on your birthday? Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's always this strange. Subtext because it's like they want to give you a bit of celebrity swagger, but they've also gotten to a point in their career where they're doing cameos, which probably means they're not <laughs> they're not like hitting the heights. You know, if it's if it's somebody off the internet, fine. But if it's like somebody who used to be kind of movie star status and now they're doing cameos, it's like a bit humbling. Mm -hmm. 
As we near the end of the year, Al, I've got a little bit of uh, audience allyship to yeah to to get to, which is which is one of the things we take very seriously on the show. We take audience allyship extremely seriously on the show. Yeah, beginning um, beginning with this, a couple of you have asked as we approach the end of the year. Um, how it's all been going with our intern, Chantelle. I know it's been a couple of mm. months since we mentioned her, I think, or at least a month or so. Uh, and the short answer is it hasn't gone particularly well. Um, I alluded the last time that I mentioned Chantelle on the podcast to some tensions that had arisen between her and our producer, Colin. Mm. Uh, and we brushed that off at the time as sort of teething trouble, uh, you know, that you might find with any kind of um, small and intense workplace. But in retrospect, we probably should have taken it a little bit more seriously. Uh, soon after that, Chantelle left the offices of DPTM and she took with her uh, a good deal of Don't Praise the Machine intellectual property. And unfortunately, that included something... Well, it included a, a portfolio of sensitive documents and electronic information that I guess could be described mm. as trade secrets. Some of the, uh, some of that was less sensitive, but some of it was basically the source code for the algorithm that we use to um, predict tech and pop culture stories that are going to dominate the zeitgeist that allows us to produce uncannily prescient schblags on the show. I'm yeah. sure some of you have had the experience of listening to the show and thinking, well, uh, you know, John and Al really seem to have their finger on the pulse. Well, that's not something that just happens. It's a specific system that we've developed. And unfortunately, uh, Chantel has deliberately compromised the confidentiality of that system. So we would urge Chantel, Chantel, if you're listening, I I, I think we'd caution you against uh, using that information in a rash manner. I know there are a lot of people at Stereo or NPR or, or the like who would love to get their hands on that source code. But uh, aside from it being de deeply immoral and ungrateful, uh, there will, of course, be legal consequences. And, um, and as we said in the recent letter that we sent to you, if you return that code to us, we'll be willing to let that slide and we'll even let you keep the DPTM stickers and the substantial quantity of Anzac biscuits and Maxwell House coffee that you took from the office. But otherwise, we will be um, willing to take this as far as it needs to go. Uh, so hopefully that's a situation that we can bring to a close uh, soon because it's obviously in the interests of the show and of our listeners that we have exclusive access to that st source code. Otherwise, our Schblags are going to get a lot more yeah, off the, topic. <clears throat> the Schblagometer algorithm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The Schblagometer algorithm. Uh, because uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the world of pop culture and tech, and I don't have time. No, no idea. Out. So John, John doesn't have a. He's got a flip phone. <laughs> I've got a flip phone. Um, listening to my Soundgarden tapes, you know. Uh, <laughs> Scratching his head when he fired, he was scratching his head when he fired up the splagometer because he said, 
Will Smith from <laughs> from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Are you yeah, sure? He's Surely still, he's not done anything for years. He's still around. Marky Mark. What? <laughs> Surely the world's moved on. These people can't still be relevant. <laughs> Nobody's paying to see these people. Surely. I said to Colin, mate, should we turn it off and on? He said, no, no, this is accurate. <laughs> this is uh, the Schlagometer is doing what it's meant to be doing. Just read, <laughs> just read the cards. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> um, also on the audience allyship docket, a couple of people have also written to me about something that I only mentioned very briefly on the show, but I think I mentioned it at a time coming up to Christmas where uh, it was maybe it was maybe relevant for some people, and that is uh, Danish Christmas style cookies that are mm. um, that you can get in Australia, which is quite a Christmassy treat. A couple of people told me that they hadn't thought about them in a very long time, and that they remembered those little those little blue tins of Royal Dansk uh, Danish biscuits. Yeah. I don't remember these. I, I, it's funny. The the two things that I thought about Denmark before I moved to Europe, I've spent quite a bit of time in Copenhagen over the last Mm -hmm. 10 years. And so I can't really remember. I remember that my one reference point as a kid was the Copenhagen ice cream franchise Mm -hmm. in Australia. I didn't really know what Copen, where Copenhagen was. I just knew that it was an ice cream shop on Jetty Road. (laughs) It's probably still there, that place. Yeah, yeah the, what would happen is people's uh, grandparents in particular would repurpose these blue tins for, as sewing kits so that you would, ah. you'd go and see them on the shelf and you'd think, oh, I'll help myself to a biscuit because I'm here for Christmas and I feel like a treat. And you'd open it and just be like a pin cushion and some some uh, buttons <laughs> in there and you'd, you'd feel really disappointed. <laughs> um, quick shout out to Em. She said... Thanks for reminding me about one nine hundred numbers to you and me. She said, "My biggest childhood drama revolved around me calling the number a one nine hundred number to speak with a nineties Australian girl group girlfriend." Who of you course. remember? Take it from me. <laughs> there you go. And they apparently had a one a nine hundred number. And she said, "My mum was particularly outraged because one of the members of girlfriend was her workmate's niece, which seems very nineties Australia." She ended up coming on a school excursion to the zoo. There you go. That's a nice little story. And uh, another listener, Liz, commented that um, the use of the phrase prolapsed Catholic, which was your your extrapolation of the phrase lapsed Catholic. She said uh, that's her favorite thing on the show so far. So thanks very oh, much sweet. for that, Liz. That's yeah. the next level of lapsed Catholic. When <laughs> yeah, you never, right. when there's no return, you are a prolapsed Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much. It's nice to uh, to give a little bit back to our listeners as we come to the end of 2022. So John, I looked up something that you told me about. A couple of weeks mm. ago, you mm-hmm. said, hey, Al, you're skinny and beautiful and everybody says that your body's so hot and sexy and nice. Is it because you're on Hollywood's hottest new weight loss drug? <laughs> 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 uh, 
Ozempic or semaglutide. Mm. I was pronouncing it Oz- Ozempic. I said, I'm not. This is this is through a severe eating disorder that I'm suffering from. But thank you so much for <laughs> checking in if it's the hottest new weight loss drug. Uh, and I said, I said, I've been putting in a lot of work for this body. And are you telling mm. me that I can get it from a pill that Kim Kardashian might be having truckloads delivered to a mansion every day? And you said, jump on Google. Put yeah. in Hollywood's hottest new weight loss trend into the search bar. Click search. Wait oh, for oh, oh, results. Ozempic. Is, is that the song? I don't know if that's the tune because that's the... I've appropriated the tune from o- 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 O'Brien's, which is a windscreen repair company in Australia. Ah, okay. but, but there is an ad that apparently goes O-O-O-Ozempic, which I heard referenced yeah. in one of the uh, articles. So Ozempic... It was originally developed as a drug to help diabetics. I've got a bit of information here. This is from <laughs> this is the first website that came up. was great. The first website's URL was laheartspecialists.com, which to me just sounded like Hollywood Upstairs Medical College where <laughs> Dr. Nick Riviera went in The Simpsons. Yeah. And it says, they've said, I'll do it in my best American accent. A pharmaceutical drug initially used to treat people with type 2 diabetes is helping obese people without diabetes lose weight. Novo Nordisk's semaglutide compound under the brand name (laughs) Ozempic is designed to act in the body similarly to the hormone glue... I should have read this before these. (laughs) Similarly to the hormone glucagon... Like peptide, traditionally taken once a week via injection, the hormone receptor, uh, the GLP-1 hormone receptor uh, works in the body by regulating insulin secretion and suppressing appetite. So hmm. it's, meant to, it's meant to be helping diabetics, but they worked out that it, it's an appetite suppressant. And mm. so that's the first thing that happened. And so people mm. were like, man, I could really use this because it's going to make me not want to eat all my hot dogs and, <laughs> and yeah. loaves of bread. And then loaded people, fries. yeah, loaded. I've got a serious loaded <laughs> fries problem, so I need to eat these <laughs> pills. So I can like stop ordering loaded fries at the. Do- no, not today, <laughs> thanks, Miriam. I've had my Osma pick. I'll just have the water. <laughs> I'll just have unloaded. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but then people on Reddit started who were on it started reporting that not only was it. Uh, affecting their appetite, reducing their appetite, but also that yeah. certain, food, certain foods they loved had started tasting uh, <laughs> unpleasant or undesirable. Mm. So it sounds mm. like an absolute wonder drug to me <laughs> for weight loss. Uh, the Guardian here says, everybody is on it, says Dr. Giham, whose medical spa in Ventura County, California, offers skin tightening, body contouring, vaginal rejuvenation, and lately Ooh. injections... Of semaglutide, the active ingredient in a new jug called Ozempic. On a side note, I think I'm definitely whoever, whatever wife I end up with, I think I'm definitely going to get her a season pass to this mm. clinic. Get you could get yourself a scrotal rejuvenation while you're there. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get us both a couples season <laughs> couples pass rejuvenation package. <laughs> I mean, even the phrase "medical spa" just it's can't it just doesn't it just projects illegitimacy to me. I'm gonna need a monthly DJ. I'll say, "Love you." Pop off to the vaginal rejuvenation room, and and I'll get my I'll get my little jowls clipped and a little bit of a scrotal 
rise, lift. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come out of there with a real ploofed balloon heads. We're going to be the coolest couple on the boulevard (laughs) in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, They say, this guy said it's Hollywood's worst kept secret. And uh, Hmm. the Guardian also said, it it said, four bites of dinner and you've had enough. So Mm. what a fascinating new weight loss drug for us to try. (laughs) Osmopec, send a few boxes over to me and John. Yeah. So yeah, go to the um, Ventura Medical Spa website and they've got an order They've got an orders page, and if you enter the code uh, Hotchblag, you can get uh, your third <laughs> carton of Ozempic free. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved that story because it's kind of uh, there's just there was just something a bit kind of soylent green, like dystopian, fucked about the fact that people were using this drug initially to you know reduce their appetite a little bit, which is one thing, but then. It was giving them this kind of, you know, they'd get, they then sort of go off it and go to their favorite steak restaurant and just be like <laughs> viscerally repulsed by all the food. <laughs> just most think, delicious food. Yeah. And they'd think, and then they'd come to, the, they'd go back to the doctor and go, I don't want this. Like, I, I like eating food, but now I, even the thought of it just makes me feel sick. And uh, it's like, well, you know, this is what you, this is what you get. Yeah, you'd say you go to a you go to a lunch with your friend and you just don't touch your plate and the friend says you look fantastic but you haven't touched your soup mm. and you go oh I can't eat food anymore but I'm a skinny dynamo <laughs> don't worry about that do you want to exactly. finish my soup I can't eat that this literally tastes like vomit to me it tastes yeah. like a big, it tastes like the waiter's bought out a steaming hot bowl of pumpkin vomit. And I don't want to go anywhere near it. <laughs> and look how beautiful yeah. and skinny I am. Everybody says that yeah. I'm the beautifulest man in all the boulevard. <laughs> and, but even talking about this meal just makes me feel really wrong and sick. But that's okay, <laughs> isn't it? I, I also, the other thing I love about this is it's like, don't, don't, don't worry about like controlling your, your diet or going for a, going for a walk. Just eat mm. this pill. It'll make all food disgusting. Mm. Oh, thank God. Thank yeah, God. Great. Because I, 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 can't, I can't walk down the supermarket aisle and not just fill the trolley full of Oreos. I need, <laughs> I need to pay a hundred, hundreds of dollars per month to get an injection so mm. the Oreo, Oreos taste like gravel. <laughs> so I can't wait because I've got a real problem with... I wrote down my favorite foods, which yeah. make me love, but they made me do a little guilty tee hee hee because they're real naughty foods for me. Tee hee hee. Oh, no, no, no. Tee hee hee. <laughs> what the, my tee hee hee cheeky cheeky mm-hmm. foods. I love Mars bars. I'm going to do a bit of a pod. I'm going to do a, there's a, there's a splug coming up about Mars bars because I've been watching, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of old Mars bars ads on YouTube because mm. it's, in, it's insane how they used to market Mars bars in the 80s mm. and 90s as mm. like a fucking health food. Yeah, so there's yeah, a Mars yeah, yeah. bar. I've got two guys out there. Don't praise us. Listen up. If you love Mars bars or if you're interested in Mars bars, and you're interested in the Puerto Rican musical phenomenon, Bad Bunny, you stay listening to this podcast because it's got some hot old schblags. It's going to be the Mars Bar Bad Bunny podcast, a real upcoming 
for you. So I've been eating Mars bars. I've got to stop eating pancakes. And mm-hmm. I've got to stop eating McDonald's Happy Meals. I buy do you think so you can... Many. Do you think you can... Well, perhaps in due course, you could uh, get the manufacturer to manipulate Ozempic so that it could, could only give you a disgust for certain very specific items. That would be... That would be perfect, yeah. Mm. So you could like switch the, switch off pancakes. You could mm. take, I'd have, you'd have a medicine cabinet filled with little boxes and they'd have little mm. pictures of the foods on them that you'd wanted to switch off for that week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd switch off, uh, switch off pancakes and then it would get to Shrove Tuesday if you're an observant <laughs> Catholic and you'd go, well, I better... I better switch that back on for a day. You would, and then you would take the pill that reverses it, like a kind of <laughs> like that drug that they give you when you've OD'd on heroin that sort of kicks it out, it sobers <laughs> you up. And then you just have an uncontrollable urge to to <laughs> consume as many pancakes as you can in the time available. <laughs> then you'd have to turn it off again. Then you just <laughs> your partner just looks over you and just goes. Don't you have any self-control? You're just constantly scarfing pills going, no, I've got to switch it all on and off all the time. <laughs> just controlling your life with switch pills. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ozempic, semaglutide, you, thanks so much for sponsoring the show. <laughs> Use offer code HOTCHBLAR, guys, at checkouts. Yeah. And make all your favorite foods Taste disgusting and guys out there you gonna be a hot dynamo <laughs> it's fine So I was um, I was thinking back this week, Al, because it's my fortieth birthday and my birthday celebration week, to my thirty ninth birthday, and mm-hmm. Jacinta. I think it was Jacinta, and I apologise if somebody's listening who is responsible for this, and it's not Jacinta. But somebody was kind enough to buy me a product offered by the School of Life, which some of our oh, listeners may be yeah, familiar right. with. School of Life is um, is an institution which was started by the uh, popular philosopher Alain de Botton, uh, who is the author of such books as The Joys and Sorrows of Work, I think was one of his, The Consolations of Philosophy, Status Anxiety. So he writes about what philosophers have to say about, you know, popular topics or about everyday life, about the kind of anxieties and pressures and existential concerns of modernity and Mm. uh he's he's a nice nice writer and an interesting thinker and uh he started this thing called the school of life which has a branch in melbourne which i haven't actually been to but they do like interesting um it's probably it would probably be a great source of uh pod stories actually because they do sort of interesting events and things like that so you can go along and you know you'll go to a dinner with a bunch of strangers and they'll give you a series of philosophical topics that you have to discuss or something like that i think john i think it started as a youtube channel and the youtube channel is enormous 
Oh, so wow. He would, release, he would release these little animated videos on YouTube that are narrated by Elaine with his mm. uh, very distinct style of narration. When we're mm. young, we walk through life wondering That's... what's going to happen to us. Will we be rich? Will we be poor? There are so many things that could happen to us <laughs> and couldn't. But therein <laughs> lies the rub. That's kind of all of his uh, videos. That's, uh, oh, that's, like, that's 8.17 million subscribers on the School go. of Life YouTube channel. There is also a School of Life branch in Berlin. Hmm, there you go. So um, I received this, this um, product from the School of Life, which is these conversation cards. And it says this, it isn't easy to get into a good conversation. Many of our best ones seem to happen by chance. Far from it, a great conversation starts with somebody asking a great question. Inside, on beautiful cards, you'll find laid out 100 of the very best questions around, carefully designed to get a group of people into exceptionally entertaining and meaningful conversations. So ever since I received this gift, I've been thinking about whether it might be fun to just do a live session with the conversation yes. cards on the podcast. I need this too because I'm I'm in the dating market, John, and I need mm. to be able to seem real exciting and interesting and charming and lead high-quality conversations with high-quality, beautiful women. <laughs> well, Lisa, this is, <laughs> this, is, uh, <laughs> this is your thing, right? Because it's all about, I mean, there's that, it, it, it's sort of what you just said reminded me of the... Um, there's 36 questions that are meant to kind of create intimacy. You know, there's mm. the the New York Times did this article a while ago on these 36 questions that, I don't know, psychologists had developed to make people fall in love and they were all geared towards producing intimacy. So you might find some of these questions could be appropriated for that purpose. But why don't we, uh, why don't we dive in? And should we, should we pretend should we what's, your, what's your relationship to me? How do we know each other? Are we business acquaintances? Is this a date? <laughs> are we in an elevator? <laughs> That's a good question. Are Maybe we, we can. Are we world leaders at a summit? <laughs> I didn't think about doing it in character. Uh, oh, here's a. But, but if we want to. Um, just, in, just to give. Just, we, we don't. I guess it doesn't really matter if we know each other or not. It yeah. could just be good conversational questions. It could be good conversational questions, but maybe we can explore. I'm Kofi Annan. You're Yasser Arafat. We haven't yeah. seen each other for ages. <laughs> exactly. We're having a McDonald's happy meal. Yeah. We went through uh, the drive-through out, We're in the car the, park. It's outside getting, the United Nations in New York. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting uncomfortable because the conversation's dropped. Somebody's mm. going to reignite this conversation as Yasser's like looking at what toy he got in the Happy mm. box. <laughs> <laughs> what did Kofi say? Idly fidgeting with his toy. I reckon we should. I, th I think we should stage it as a potential date question and see how okay, we go. Let's do that. How, yeah. This is this is an interesting one that I've just pulled out. And I, this is no, I'm not staging these questions. I'm just pulling them out, and seeing what happens. When was the last time you experienced Schadenfreude? Do you ah. dare admit? Do you dare admit what triggered it? That's an interesting one. Yeah, of course. Now, the perils of doing that on a date would be you want to be you want to be funny, but you don't want to be overly callous uh, or reveal <laughs> or reveal yeah. anything that's going to like make you look like a total prick. 
The Schadenfreude, <laughs> for anybody who out there hasn't heard it before, it's a German expression and it means to essentially take joy in the suffering of others. But suffering kind of makes it sound a bit dramatic. It's essentially if mm. somebody else is having a bad time, you're mm. really having a little smirk on your face going, this is making me feel real good. So maybe last night, maybe you don't like France and France mm. lose the World Cup to Argentina and you yeah. rub your little hands together and you go, I'm having a <laughs> real bit of schadenfreude right here. I'm absolutely loving these cheese-eating surrender monkeys on their knees crying into the grass of Qatar, <laughs> loving it so much. Yeah, a lot of people would have experienced that. Maybe you even see the the faces of the French supporters and you think to yourself, yeah, they've come all that way, but you know, I I can't I can't help but derive some pleasure from the disappointment on their faces because I'm a because I'm a mad Argentina fan. I'm trying to think when would this have happened to when me? That is <laughs> this would be an interesting question yeah. on a date. It's just to reveal how insecure and petty you are straight <laughs> when away. When was the last time? When was the last time you internally? loathe somebody who is going through misfortune and then that person goes this guy's awful <laughs> what's the next one give me give me another one yeah what's yeah bit, let's keep bit, going more fun oh here's another one for a date describe an early sexual experience that's the oh, next that's conversation the that's the first thing that's the first thing i say to a woman when i approach her on the street i say hello my name is alex and yeah the next line is uh, i mean that could be oh my god Hang on, can you just, it just says describe an early sexual experience? That's all it says, yeah. Another this one, I'll give you another Elaine, couple, is, which are... What's going on with Elaine? This is not... No, he's that's a, a that's a, that's, a, that's like a risk, that's a big risk there. I can't it say, is. imagine saying that to Kofi Annan as he sat in the McDonald's car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one here, I can probably answer this question for you. What sort of person... Do you tend to develop a crush on? And I'm going to say, yeah. I've got three words for you, and they are wide set eyes. Yeah, uh, that's what you love. You love, you love the, you love the kind of hammerhead shark lady. Yeah, I do. I love the, <laughs> I love, I love the beautiful pigeon person. <laughs> um, and I remember and this actually links to an earlier question: What's an early sexual experience? This is good because we've had our listeners say. Can you give us a bit more revealing content about you, about you, you know, our hosts, our beloved hosts? Um, but I are remember, for example, that? that are you going to do the sexual? I'm going to do it. Now? I'm going to do it for you. Uh, I could do the sexual one for me as well. But um, but uh, uh, I don't know if it's a sexual experience. But I but I remember you, for example, having a an image of Drew Barrymore in your oh yeah, like, un, oh, yeah. So this is a good way of desk. answering this. Hmm. I guess that is a sexual experience because I was thinking I was going to have to say something like uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I but guess no, you... I mean, she would have been like from the from the time when you first started thinking about women in that way. She would have yeah. been uh, one of the people that you thought about in that way. Yeah, because a friend of mine's older brother had the Playboy that Drew Barrymore when Drew Barrymore was a wild girl of the nineties. Mm. So that Playboy magazine was. That was the first time oh. I was familiar with her and I looked on the cover and I was like, who's this beautiful kind of, she's got tats, she's got a few tattoos and she's got a mm. cool kind of like bleach blonde 90s hair but it's done in a kind of flattened down, short kind of 1920s 
style, mm. and she was mm. all knackered in, all naked inside of that magazine. <laughs> and from that point forward, my archetype of a lady mm. was Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and it's true. I'd be half a chance now because she's mental. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't she have her own? Doesn't she have her own talk show now? She's, and got, she gets, her own, uh, she's got her own talk show now. And <laughs> she's got her Drew Barrymore show and she can't wait for the next guest to come out. Would you please, oh my God, thank you so much for coming out of the Drew Barrymore show. She had Tom Green on it, her, ex, uh, her ex-husband, ex-husband yeah. a few weeks ago. And I think, I think they literally had not seen each other uh, since... That's since, right. Uh, since they kind of ended things uh, until he walked out on the show, which is just like, why would you do that to yourself? But uh, yeah, maybe you can, maybe it's a good chance to rekindle things. One more card. Let's do another one. They're fun, aren't they? Oh, I just pulled out describe an early sexual experience again. It's like a Ouija <laughs> board. It really, really fucking <laughs> wants us to talk about that. <laughs> and the next. The next one, I, these are disgusting. The next one I pulled out is just, what would your ideal pornography be like? Come on, Elaine. That's not What is going either. on, Elaine? I don't know. Fucking he's hell. Lost, he's lost the plot. I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you, this is true. So I, I, got, I, got served a, uh, I got served a School of Life video on the weekend. Yeah. Because I subscribed to them. And I will yeah. read you the title of it. I'm sure it's one of the, it must be one of the most recent ones. I think mm-hmm. we need to have a little bit of a word with... Elaine, uh, this is it. So the video was titled on the School of Life, The Philosophy, I know it's from seven years ago, The Philosophy of Oral Sex. Oh. And he goes wow. right He goes right into it, Elaine. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's our, what's his, was it Kinsey? What was the name of the famous yeah, of yeah, disgusting, yeah. disgusting <laughs> filth monger who was... <laughs> Alfred, someone Kinsey, yeah, played by Liam Neeson, I remember. Now that's Elaine de Botton. Mm. What's the philosophy of oral sex? Uh, It goes into, (laughs) this is like the bluest episode we've ever done. It goes into essentially like, it talks about kind of intimacy and disgust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one is what, in what ways might you be a difficult person to work with or for? I'm, I'm a difficult person to work with or for because I have probably one of the worst cases of undiagnosed ADHD known to science and I refuse (laughs) to get it treated. So, um, I can't, I can't spin my desk chair without like forgetting where some vital object or item or document (laughs) is. Um, but, um, so this is what it says about how we should, we should, I should probably have read this uh, from the outset. It says you have to announce to your friends that you have a curious new exercise to propose and then uh, laugh a little at the expense of the cards to ease any awkwardness. We've done that. Pick a card from anywhere in the box and ask them to address it with sincerity and thoughtfulness. We haven't really done that. And it says take calculated risks at self-revelation. What tends to make us interesting is our deepest selves. When people say... Surely you wouldn't want to know this about me. They're often about to say something fascinating. Hmm. Don't rush. You might only need five cards for an evening. So what I'd suggest uh, to you, Al, Mm. um, 
particularly as particularly as some of those dates progress to the uh, to maybe you inviting somebody over, cooking a meal for them, giving them a little bit of re- grandma's redberry tea and some <laughs> some falafel <coughs> and some some white stick. You know, break out a couple of these cards, really get things cooking. I mean, yeah, I, I wonder. Um, I wonder if there are people out there who have tried this and it's resulted in like bust ups with friends. Well, or the, like, I'm, I'm thinking that somebody would have pulled these out at a dinner party, and definitely a couple mm. has got in the car home and just mm. gone off at each other in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That would definitely have happened. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a question like, about like, you know, who who do you think about uh, yeah. aside from your significant other or something? Like there'd be a question like that in there for sure. Yeah. Aside uh, from your significant other, mm, explain in detail who mm, your who the most skilled lover you ever had was. <laughs> just for ton just like rubbing his hands together and fucking everyone's relationships up around the world. Um <laughs> And then they have to. Then they get sad, and they have to buy his book, "The Course of Love." That's it's all a little, <laughs> it's ver- vertical integration racket that he's got going. But yeah, there would be people having, there'd be people having dinner party drives home where they're uh, yelling at each other. I bet there'd also be people who pull them out, maybe not having surveyed them that carefully, and maybe they go, oh, "I've got some colleagues around for dinner," and then they. <laughs> And then they ask a question which is just a little bit too intimate or somebody finds it particularly disturbing or inappropriate and they kick off. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, to me, that's part of the fun. Shoot a few card questions my way, John, because I'm out there, I'm in the, I'm in the dating scene and I can't wait to ask Mm. my future wife these amazing questions from the modern yeah. philosopher Elaine Jabaton. And guys, go and check out the School of Life YouTube channel. It's actually really good. And mm. I need to I need everybody to know what Elaine de, Bons, de, de Boton sounds like because I'm working mm. on my Elaine de Boton impression and it doesn't have any value if nobody knows who it is. <laughs> That's true. And if you've ever wondered what the pre-Socratics thought about going down on somebody, well, you just have to read that. Just have to go on YouTube and find out. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in episode number 90 of Shane. What a fantastic episode it's been. We've loved talking to you about new Hollywood diet wonder drug Ozempic. Oh, 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 Ozempic. When turning a pleasurable eating experience into an ordeal is a small price to pay to get that acting career off the ground. We love talking about the School of Life conversational cuts. It's a race to the bottom with these thorny conversational gambits. Give them a go. And we've absolutely loved some feedback from the Don't Raise the Machine allies. We love nothing more than getting into the Yuletide spirit with some interaction with our beloved Don't Praises. And, and, and as always, I've been one of your hosts. And I go by the name Alexander Holland and I'm sat digitally. Next to my number one pot pope. He's got to be the one called John Malone. 
Thanks so much, everybody. Don't forget to stay prayed up, and we'll see you next week at the podcast.